When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Cool, let's just do it one more time. Why? Because we love making movies. All right. So I know we don't have we don't have a, t- a ton of time, so uh, we'll sort of jump right into it into part two. <laughs> sure, part two, part two of Tom Siegel, uh, the first of a hundred part series. <laughs> That'll take me all the way to death. Right? No, 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 no. <laughs> um, well, it's really good to see you. Thank you for giving us your time. Really appreciate it. Uh, no worries. Um, and I wanted to just, I know we're, we're, I really want to speak obviously about Cherry because we didn't have enough time last time, but I wanted to kind of go back just a little bit and, and, and start with, a, you know, kind of just go back over a few other things before we kind of get to that. And, you know, one thing you kind of left me with last time we spoke was talking about even just as advice or, or you as an artist was if you don't have any life experience, you know, you're going to have a hard time. Uh, uh, really having something to say potentially, or, you know, those, those experiences really affected you. And I, I just wanted to kind of go back a little bit to when you were starting out making documentaries in South America. And I, I just wonder if you might share with us, you know, maybe one or two experiences from that time, you know, particularly maybe in El Salvador or in Guatemala, um, because you were there for some pretty intense uh, uh social and political upheavals and, and something that kind of maybe formed you or shaped you, not just as a person, but also as a filmmaker. I'm wondering if you might not uh, just take us back a little bit to that experience. Well, you know, I think, uh, I think the time that I spent doing documentaries in particular in Central America, because there was a lot of uh, uh, armed conflict going on there, sort of nascent re- uh, revolutionary movements. Um, you know, I think that it, seeing people um, that were, you know, starting to shape their their history or try to, you know, impact history to um, be out in the streets or in the mountains or uh, wherever they were and take control of their, you know, political destiny and uh, um, fight the injustices that, for instance, in Guatemala, the indigenous people had lived with all their lives. Um, you know, it was, it was very eye-opening, you know, coming from sort of, you know, a, a relatively um, typical Midwest, um, you know, urban uh, environment in Detroit to all of a sudden see, um, you know, um, guerrilla fighters in the mountains that um, were going up against a army that was engaged in a campaign of genocide and um, see the horrors of war firsthand. I think it was very formulative for me. And, you know, as I look back on it, there's, there's this, um, uh, I have this whole kind of weird 
uh, you know, two-sided look at my formulative years where I would have loved to have been, you know, in film school and been an apprentice to, you know, Jordan Cronenworth or Gordon Willis. Um, but I wouldn't have traded the experiences I had doing documentaries for anything because they were, um, they were life forming and they gave me a sense of maturity and respect for, uh, you know, the struggles of, of humanity, so to speak. So I think that has made me more, or has, has filtered into my um, filmmaking. And, um, you know, it, it's, sometimes it's an obscure relationship, you know, like when you're um, doing an X-Men movie and, um, but even there, you know, like I remember when I first read X-Men, you know, the first thing that popped out to me was that this is the story of, you know, Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so I think th those life experiences um, were not only important to me as a human, but, you know, as a filmmaker as well. And so I always think about that, you know, as I meet other um, filmmakers and as I work with different directors and, you know, I always find it interesting to see how much of their references when you're say prepping a film or discussing the look of a film come from other movies or how much of it comes from their actual life experience you know mm -hmm. um so yeah well and so that's an, that's a perfect sort of uh bridge to because i do the one thing i like to speak about before cherry is five is the five bloods because we kind of we just brushed over it last time. And I want to say just from my own personal perspective, I think it's total bullshit. It didn't get Golden Globe nominations uh, because it's a remarkable yeah. film. It's just, it's ridiculous, but you know, the HFPA has always been tone deaf. Yeah. So we can, <laughs> to a certain degree, they also the, the did. The weird one is Delroy Lindo. Uh, un yeah. Unbelievable. Very strange. Cause I mean, first of all, I think it's an amazing performance, but he got so much, um, acclaim from so many people going into this period hmm. i was really surprised yeah i i would have thought uh, he was a shoe-in but you never know yeah you never know and i think you know the work stands obviously for itself because it's such a remarkable film but i think what's really interesting is that you know your work with spike you know spike lee who i think from what you just said about documentary, it's like you guys are kind of spirit animals because I think what I find so fascinating about Spike Lee is that he's he's an extremely classical filmmaker in the sense that, you know, he he, he did go to film school and like Martin Scorsese, he, he loves classic cinema, particularly classical American cinema, everybody from Ilya Kazan to John Huston and, and, and et cetera. But yet he's he's framing all of that and, and looking at all of that through the lens of his personal experience in Brooklyn and in New York and as an African-American in this country. And so I just, I find it interesting that you guys made such a powerful film together because you both, I think, uh, 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 you know, come at it from a very personal perspective. And I, and I just wanted to sort of talk specifically about when you were making Five Bloods, you know, what is your process with Spike on the set in terms of how you guys are, are you know, uh, shoot a scene and then how you work together and, and how does that relationship, what does that relationship look like? 
Well, you know, Spike likes to start very early, usually before sunrise, and um, he likes to shoot very quickly. So it's a little scene dependent. There are some scenes where, um, you know, perhaps he he um, we discussed and and we uh, have a very clear game plan about the you know what the shots are and. Um, we will have decided on what the first shot's going to be usually the night before. So you get there, you set up that first shot and, um, you know, when the lights up, he's going to want to start rolling. Um, <laughs> sometimes, you know, there are, as always in filmmaking, you have curveballs where you lose a location or whatever. And, uh, um, you, you have to, uh, show up and do something that you hadn't planned on. You have to improvise. And he's very quick to do that when he knows um, he'll, you know, he'll, he'll come in, he'll have his plan. And that's when it's like, I want one camera here and I want one camera here and boom, <laughs> you do it. You set it up and you shoot, you know? Um, and do you guys so, storyboard or do you guys storyboard a shot list or, 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 we only storyboarded, if I recall, um, the helicopter crash because that uh, mm. that had to do with the um, visual effects. We did some rehearsals for some of the flashback sequences before we shot them. I rewatched it along with rewatching Cherry a few times before we spoke, and I and the last thing I think I'll say about uh, you know uh, Five Bloods is you know the, it was just so apparent to me kind of the real life irony of. Chadwick Boseman, you know, in the movie, he's the young man who was sort of the best of them taken uh, before his time. And then in real life, that's kind of what happened, which is, which is so bittersweet. I mean, I just wonder if you might talk about what it was like to work with Chadwick and, and, you know, uh, what that experience was like. Well, you know, it was the second movie I did with uh, Chadwick. I had done Marshall where he, he played Thurgood Marshall um, uh, a couple of years before. And, um, I remember on Marshall, you know, really admiring um, not only his performance, but his work ethic. And, and, and we got along and, you know, had some meals together and stuff, but he was a very, I, I, he seemed like a very um, uh, thoughtful and introverted um, uh, kind of fellow. And I, I found that sort of interesting and kind of intriguing. Mm -hmm. And looking back, and knowing that Marshall was right around when he first got his diagnosis, it puts a kind of a whole new color on that. Then when it came time for, um, for the five bloods and no one knew he was sick, you know, and he ended up only doing one more movie, but you never would, I, I never would have known, you know, I mean, um, I, I, I just think it's extraordinary what he did on that movie, knowing that he was not long for this earth. Hmm. And I remember um, one of my great memories of him was um, when we um, shot up north in Thailand, there was a, one part when we stayed in this little um, 
uh, I'll call it a hotel, more like a pension or something that was out in the countryside mm-hmm. and had little cabins. And then there was like a walkway between the cabins, like a, like a boardwalk. And uh, I remember one night after work, walking back toward my cabin and I heard this sort of soft playing of uh, conga drums. And I noticed there was a little opening in a window of one of the cabins and in it, I could see Chadwick playing by himself. And it was mesmerizing. So I stopped and I just, I stared and I was like, wow, look at that, look at him go. And I don't know, he sort of like had that Wakanda Black Panther <laughs> spidey sense. And he just kind of turned and looked at me and kind of went like, you know, gave me like a little. <laughs> and I gave it back to him and it really stuck in me. And, um, you know, I didn't, of course, know he was sick or anything like that. It was just one of those, like, what an interesting fellow moments. Um, so, I mean, you know, he was, he had a kind of dignity to him and a, and a, and a, a weight to him that you expect from somebody much older, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, from an elder statesman, even though he was, you know, a very young man when he, when I worked with him and when he passed away way too early, way too early. Absolutely. That's such a moving memory, Tom. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, it's one that'll stay with me. Well, again, The Five Bloods, if anyone hasn't seen it yet, you should see it. It's a very important movie. Uh, and, and and it's certainly one of my favorites of, of, of this year. And so, so now that brings us to Cherry. Uh, and, 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 you know, the reason I wanted to talk about the docs documentary again at the beginning and then kind of <clears throat> just touch on Five Bloods is, you know, I, I think you can draw a line from, you know, your beginnings uh, in documentary, like you were saying, of a social consciousness and kind of living, living life with your camera and connecting with culture and how it's changing and struggling, and I, that obviously is a connection to Spike Lee's work. But I really feel it's a big connection to Joe and Anthony Russo's Cherry because I think the movie, while on its face, you know, you somebody might say, "Oh, it's like a Bonnie and Clyde tale, kind of couched in this new American." nightmare of PTSD and opioids, but really it's like a, it's like a diary, you know, it's, it's like a Dante like journey. And it's this document of a period of time in this cycle of addiction. And it, 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 what's really interesting to me, the parallels of five bloods and cherry a little bit is that, you know, the, while the five bloods are, are experiencing racism and indifference, despite their sacrifice, Tom Holland's Nico is sold this kind of newer, slicker version of, of the American nightmare, which is take this pill, forget it all, get a job. And then when you can't afford this pill anymore, go do heroin. <laughs> and then you, your life disintegrates and now you have to feed that beast. And so it's like Cherry becomes to me a little bit this comment on consumption in our society. And, and I got to tell you, man, this is a crazy film. I mean, it's so bold and outrageous. And like Joe Russo, I've heard him say it's gonzo. If there's some gonzo to it. And, and, it, and, it, and, you know, it, it, it reminds me a little bit of, it certainly reminds me a lot of Goodfellas because the use of VO and storytelling, but shortly after you meet Nico in the beginning, you know, like Scorsese said about eight and a half, he said, you know, we depart earth and we, we land on Mars. <laughs> you know, it's like, the, and so it just, so how did you tell us what Cherry is uh, and, and how it came to you, how the project came to you? Um. 
Cherry is based on a novel written by Nico Walker called Cherry. And the novel is the story of a young man who um, falls in love, um, gets his heart broken, makes him join the army, gets sent off uh, to Iraq, experiences post-traumatic stress syndrome uh, when he comes back. It leads him to opioid addiction and to service his opioid addiction. He starts robbing banks and eventually gets caught and sent to prison. It was written by Nico Walker, um, who is in prison for robbing banks because he had an opioid addiction that he got after he came back from Iraq, where he suffered PTSD. Um, while he was there having joined because of a broken heart from a girl he met. <laughs> so it's a, a novel <laughs> that happens to be pretty much Nico Walker's life. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, the book that he wrote is really fascinating because it's very first person. Mm. It's very much, it's a very subjective telling uh, of the story and it really captures a kind of irony and um, bleakness that exists in this in the middle of this opioid crisis and I think it's that very unique voice that has caught the, so many people's attention for the book and I think it's what caught Joe and Anthony's attention and what I thought they did with the screenplay was to really elevate it by really focusing more even than the book does on Jerry's love for Emily and his belief that she was leaving him, which drove him into the army mm -hmm. only to find out that she wasn't. <laughs> um, which is such a great moment in the film. <laughs> it is a great moment, you know. Um, I love when she says, can't you unenlist? Um, so I think that um, the screenplay and the subsequent film put a lot more heart into the story than even the book had. Um, I think the sense of irony and absurdism that the, and subjectivity that is inherent in the book carried through to the film. But I think what the film added to the book is is heart mm. and um, love mm. uh, for all its glory and all its pain. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I had done uh, extraction. I think I was still doing it actually, I was working on it. Um, when Joe and Anthony first talked to me about Cherry um, and it was un unclear about exactly when it was gonna go. So I ended up going right from Extraction to Spike's movie, but then as soon as Spike's movie wrapped, um, I started on Cherry. Wow. And um, uh, we went to Cleveland and then to Morocco to do the Iraq portion. And, um, you know, it was it was an amazing experience. The, the Russos are really, um, uh, they set a really good tone on the, on the set and um, 
they just, you know, they, they challenge you to be, to take your, your boldness and go farther. So just when you think, you know, I'm proposing something that's too, as you said, gonzo, mm. um, they say, well, go double gonzo. So <laughs> um, that's, you know, that was very inspiring and, 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 and made fun to work with. You know, I have to say that, you know, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody um, was a difficult um, uh, production for a number of reasons. But since then, I've done like four straight movies with, you know, really uh, uh, um, inspiring and, and um, fun directors. It didn't occur to me literally until just during your last question that uh, since Bohemian Rhapsody, I've done Extraction and... Um, Five Bloods and Cherry. Oh, and no. then I just recently wrapped a movie called Dog with uh, Channing Tatum directing. And all four of those movies, the central character uh, was a soldier, <laughs> either a soldier or an ex-soldier or a to-be soldier, um, or in the case of Five Bloods, a group of soldiers. And uh, it's kind of wild, four movies in a row. Yeah, it's, it's extremely well. I think I got to do a romantic comedy or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think that's that 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 is extremely interesting. Uh, uh, you know, because I think it's something that is, uh, I don't know. I mean, the humanity of it. You know, that's the thing that really stands out to me, particularly connecting the works you're talking about. I mean, I haven't seen Dog, but certainly Five Bloods and even an Extraction and, and certainly Cherry is that, you know, these are really movies about about people. And yet and sometimes they're in extraordinary situations. But, you know, the the pressure cooker of war and service, you know, that what that adds to someone's life, you know, it's I think it's why we have so many amazing movies about about war and that phenomenon, and of course the people who are affected by it. Cherry was written and directed by Joan Anthony Russo, who, who, who for the last, I mean, almost ten years have been sort of, you know, captains in the Marvel universe, making the Avenger films and uh, Civil War, uh, uh, Captain America: Civil War, and they started out, or not started out, but they they were sort of recognized uh, for those jobs by Arrested Development, which is a groundbreaking cinema verite uh, type show. And 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 sort of changed television for a, to a certain degree. And before that, their movie, which was discovered by Steven Soderbergh, is called Pieces, was also the sort of very avant-garde, almost uh, influenced by Truffaut's Shoot the Piano Player. And I think what's really interesting is that Cherry is a return to those roots. Uh, and, and I also want to point out that the script of Cherry was adapted and written by Joe and Anthony's sister, Angela Ostat Russo, who's incredibly talented, and also Jessica Goldberg. And it's an, a really an amazing script. Um, so, you know, I, I think, and we were talking about how you were sort of evolving the looks with them, particularly the, you know, the, the starting with the chapter, the magical realism chapter, and how you and Joe and Anthony would just sort of keep those chapters that were the headings that were in the script and that sort of was the jumping off point to inform the look and design of each of each uh, chapter of the movie right absolutely and you know the 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 um e each one of the chapters we would look at um i mean we, we started with like well what what is the point of the chapter what is the tonality of the chapter mm. and um uh, they had a pretty good sense of it. You know, I mean, they developed a script with their sister, like you said, and they, um, 
you know, there was, they already, I think, were pretty comfortable with um, where they wanted to go in any one of those individual sequences. Um, And so then it was a question of, um, that's the thematic or, 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 or idea of tone. Now, what's the, um, uh, what is the recipe uh, to, to express that, you know, lens, color, contrast, lighting, and so forth. Um, and uh, the only one that really, you know, uh, changed was um, the, the, was Iraq, was the war. Mm. Uh, the initial discussion of the, that was that it was going to be like uh, 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 Saul, where oh, a movie that yeah. described yeah, the life in a concentration camp all through basically following one character and close up in, or over his shoulder. Mm-hmm. And you never really saw very much around him. Right. And, um, it was very, very effective, you know, and I think part of the reason, um, I mean, it, it made sense because we were doing a movie that was inherently very subjective. Um, and, but I think the, the, the even bigger impetus for that section originally was, you know, budgetary restrictions. And uh, I don't know how they did it, but with our limited budget, when we did go to do the Iraq portion, um, they were able to get a lot of, um, uh, you know, in Morocco and places, uh, uh, military hardware that allowed them to give a little bigger scale than they initially planned. And it really, that section really changed. And, they, and I think they realized that the rest of the film leading up to going to Iraq and then very much the end of the film when he's back home um, is so internal and subjective and meant to be told from such an uh, internal place that it was important to open the movie up in Iraq to really bring a sense of scale to the, mm. this this kind of devastation, this human, uh, you know, this waste of, of life that mm. was happening uh, in the theater of war in Iraq and, you know, has for time immemorial. So that section was the one section that, um, you know, I think we, the, the color and, and quality of light didn't change, but what changed was that we were no longer just putting the camera in uh, Cherry's face and kind of following him around, mm-hmm. but we were actually, you know, uh, uh, showing uh, his place in this sort of more epic scale. It went from Son of Saul to David Lean. Yeah, that's very interesting you said that because, you know, uh, A Son of Saul is such a restricted point of view and it's all about, you know, kind of imagining what you think you're seeing and just simply feeling things, whereas, you know, you did you did almost open it up into Lawrence of Arabia style, uh, you know, widescreen. And I and I think the rack sequence for me was so powerful because you don't really see the massacre coming where essentially Tom Holland's character, you know, is sort of the lone survivor of his, of his unit. And, and I think what you, what the the promise of the movie a little bit is kind of how did this person get to this place, you know? And, and that, that sort of, that experience that you, that you set up and pay off in, in the Iraq sequence is really shattering, you know, because I think you understand how would you, 
some, you cannot experience something like that and, and, and not be affected deeply by it. Um, and so that was one of the, you know, it's such a moving sequence, uh, you know, before he kind of comes home. And also, I mean, let's, I just think Tom Holland's performance is, is, is really extraordinary um, as is Sierra, uh, Sierra Bravo's as his girlfriend and Jack Rayner, who's an incredible actor too. Uh, I mean, it's, it's really a, it's really a standout cast. Uh, and, and I guess, um, I mean, talk about working with, with Tom Holland and, and those actors and, and, and how much fun that must've been and, and sort of uh, uh, what they brought to it, to the process. Well, you know, Tom is extraordinary. I mean, he's, um, I really can't say enough about what the experience working with him was like. And when you have a, a leading actor like that, that is just so inspiring and, and so beautiful to watch, it, it just makes, you know, working on a film so much easier. And we're, you know, putting his talent aside. I mean, the great thing was that the Russos and him had, you know, worked together on a number of Marvel movies before. And so mm -hmm. they had already a relationship. There was no ice to break. They were, they were in it together and they all knew that, you know, this is going to be Tom Holland. Like nobody's ever, ever seen him before. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, um, that was fascinating to see, you know, and, and, you know, wonderful to, to be able to watch and, and especially to, to see like the, the littlest, um, you know, smallest things he does, you know, even more than the big things. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. you know, Tom is, uh, there's a reason he got cast as Spider-Man as Peter Parker, you know, because he's one of those actors that, you know, like Tom Hanks, you know, that you, you, you just like him. You know, right. he shows up on the screen. He, he haven't, he hasn't said a word. You know, you 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 just like him right away, and you hope mm. wish the best for him. And I think that was so helpful for this movie because it allowed his character to be loved, even when he made some really bad decisions at the beginning, and even when he seemed like a bit of a of a lost soul and mm. naive and a bit of a loser, but you really hope things work out for him, you know, and, and um, he had a wonderful chemistry with Sierra, you know, uh, I, I didn't really know her work before or anything, but when she came to the party, it was like, I remember first seeing her when, when she came into Cleveland and my first impression was like, Oh my God, she looks, like a child. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and I think that quality of her, you know, you know, like an Audrey Hepburn, mm. uh, almost this like, you know, um, innocence that she um, brought to the screen was so important and so wonderful. And you know, she's a very flawed character right from the mm -hmm. beginning. I mean, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, some of the, the 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 first time they make love is I find fascinating. Like like I don't know that I've really seen a love scene like that in another movie um, where there's this this you know this almost tragic mm -hmm. um, quality to the two of them. You know, going crossing that line in a relationship. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, 
it's not you know animal lust it's not uh, you know it, it's a very it's a very real scene and very mm-hmm. um, sensitive scene and and uh, and you know in this day and age of you know me too and intimacy coaches and all that kind of stuff like that um, I was really uh, I, I think we found um, a really fascinating way to express that kind of physical intimacy, this the, that beautiful scene where they're sort of kind of somewhat in profile and, he, and Tom is just, or Cherry, you know, is just kind of running his fingers along the side of Sierra. I, I just, I find that shot very, very touching. Yeah, I know exactly what, what shot yeah, you're talking about. No, no, and even and even and even you know even the scenes when they're kind of just eating together. You know, you want to have a muffin. You know, the muff the muffin mm-hmm. sequence was, was so nice and so delicate. Uh, and, and I get just 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 two things. Uh, you know, the when you said Tom being good at the little things and little details. Can you, know, can you give us an example, maybe, of of, of something that that stood out but to you? It, it would be more like, you know, you, you have a dialogue scene and you know, his expression of the text and the words is, is um, you know, it's powerful and everything like that. And then there'll be just like a little look or a reaction that's, you know, not something that's on the page that is just um, always subtle. He's a very subtle, you know, actor in, in, in many ways. Um, and, you know, when you would, see that it was would always be something that like elevated the scene to another level or or gave you a feeling of a certain degree of subtext and you know subconscious uh element playing so um i started to look for that stuff more and more and you know every scene every shot right um and and I, it's funny. I remember sometimes, and I, you know, I can't really think of a specific one, but I, I remember certain moments when you know I would expect a big reaction when he played it very, you know, it's just kind of a subtle mm-hmm. look in the eyes, you know, um, you know whether it's you know, his old girlfriend telling him how her other boyfriend, um, you, you know, uh, treated her when she was, you know, giving him blowjobs or whether it's, yeah. um, you know, the way that he reacted to all the daughters of the, of the pizzeria owner watching him or, uh, yeah. you, you know, just things where you, you'd expect a bigger reaction and he, he, and he at first you think like oh you know he's shouldn't there be something more volatile and you realize that that subtlety that he has is is really wonderful wow that's, not that he that's... can't go big i mean the scene where he's toward the end after she's overdosed and he's freaking out in the pickup truck it's just you know isn't is, ah! is he, is... Yeah, is quite insane. It's 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 yeah. but but I know exactly what you mean. And I think I think it's it's you know, that's also, I don't know, the the mark of so many wonderful film actors. You know, there's that there's that great story about Sean Penn 
uh, uh, or no, when Dennis Hopper was making colors, he said to Sean Penn, I, I'm really worried that, that, that Duvall's not doing anything. <laughs> and then when he would watch, when he would watch dailies, he said, oh, okay, I'm an idiot. I know he was, <laughs> he was doing everything, you know, it's, it's so that, that subtlety is, I think is something that's a real gift. Uh, uh, and I also have to say, I think like you were saying, you know, characters, whether they're, they're sort of unlikable. I mean, I always love that thing that a character can be unlikable, but still be lovable. Mm -hmm. But I think one of the really powerful things this movie does is it doesn't, does not judge its characters, you know? And it's sort of like, they always say that's kind of acting 101 is that you really can't. And I just think this film does a really beautiful uh, uh, job of not judging any of these characters who are sort of, you know, who are, who are in very compromised positions in lives. And, and I think that's a real testament to, to sort of the storytelling and, and, you know, how you guys are able to be, to show empathy for these characters. Right. No, agreed. I mean, it's, I, I think it's a, it's a really powerful film and the, and the um, performances are, are extraordinary. And, you know, it, it, I, I, Apple Plus has sort of made a choice about how they're marketing it. And um, it's so far, it hasn't really gotten much attention, but I, hope that changes in the weeks to come as it's about to come out in the theaters and then on the streaming service, because I think it's a film that really needs to be seen and deserves to be seen, you know, and I don't Absolutely. say that about every movie I've worked on, trust me. <laughs> no, that's no, it's a very, very powerful movie. And I, and I really hope people do, do uh, discover it and love it and share it with, with people. Uh, thank you so much for doing this, Tom. This was, oh, no, this was my pleasure. You guys are going to get to watch the Super Bowl, aren't you? Uh, I fit, yes, yes, it is. I'm, I'm, I'm. You're talking to the wrong guy, but I'm sure, I'm sure yeah. I will watch it with somebody. <laughs> I'll probably, I may, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I'll probably watch it with Ari. <laughs> yeah, oh, there you go. Oh, please say hello. To, you know, it, it's funny. I, I see him periodically on these uh, Zoom calls, catch-ups that we do. But you know, it's like a dozen people and i always want to go hey Harry, what's going on man like how you doing you know but you know you can't do that because all the other people no, of are course, watching so. of course of course and actually tom a little bit of good news ari and i actually just uh uh we we just got news from agbo another company that they they closed financing on what's going to be our first feature for them that we're gonna uh, hey, that's fantastic <laughs> i know man <laughs> Well, I know he was working on like a horror movie. Is that yeah, what that's, it is? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, he and I he and I sort okay. of co-wrote it and rewrote it together and we're going to co-direct it together. Oh my God. Are you, uh, now, you know, one time he was talking to my mate, Carrie Lalonde. Did you ever get to meet Carrie? I did. He shot our last short. He shot our last short. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Is, he, is yeah. he still in your mix? Yes, he's definitely in our mix for sure. I mean, Carrie did a wonderful job on our short. He was so much fun oh, to work with. He's the best. With. Yeah, he's the best. He's he'll, he'll, terrific. He will kill himself for you. Trust me. You know, he he will, he will. You know, you're going to ask him to go uh, an extra mile, and he'll go too. So, that's great news. That's fantastic. Thank you, thank you, Tom. Thanks so much. When do you shoot? Well, we're hoping we're hoping for June, but we don't know yet. You know, obviously, mm -hmm. dominoes have to fall into place, and all that, all that, as you know. You oh know, yeah. But, but, but it's all, we're, we're just so excited. We kind of got, you know, we got to the starting block, you know? <laughs> so you guys are going to co-direct it or? Yes. Yeah. 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 That's kind of what, you know, Ari and I started out as writing partners and then uh, we sort of said, we looked at each other finally when we were like, well, why, why don't we just try this together? And, and we did uh, almost three shorts together before we finally said, you know, this is, this is so much more fun than it ever was alone. 
are you are either of you in the DGA? We are both. We are both in DGA. Yeah. You're going to have a battle with them, Channing yeah. and Reed. I just went through this, Channing Tatum and Reed. That when we did Dog, they wouldn't um, approve them as co-directors. Oh wow, wow! We it's such bullshit. We, it is, but we have our meeting. We have our first meeting next week where we're where we're going to yeah. kind of start the process. So you know, here's here's talk yeah, to Joe. Well, yeah. if you want me to, you know what? If you want me to hook you up with Reed. You could talk to him and he could okay. tell you what happened to them. Okay. That would be great. Yeah. That that would be perfect. Yeah. Okay. I really, I really appreciate it. Yeah, we're ready for a fight, but we'll, you know, hopefully we're just gonna try to be as sincere as we can. Yeah. And you know what? Fuck them if they can. <laughs> right. We had a good AD who's a nine we had his financial core AD because our original AD, you know, couldn't do it if it wasn't DGA. And uh, he, he was a good guy. So if you need to go that way, I can hook you up with him too. Okay. Thank you, Tom. I really appreciate it, man. Yeah. Well, it's been great, man. Yeah. I'm going to now go okay. look at all this aerial footage and then uh, ruin the rest of my Saturday night um, <laughs> and miss family dinner. So um, so love sorry. you guys. Love Say you hey too, to Tom. Ari. I will. And, uh, I will. I'm really happy for you both. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it, man. Thank okay. you. I'll, I'll talk Peace to you really out. soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, podcast listener, do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in bigger than ever for season nine. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today.